Hello everyone, it's Social Work Tutor here. Sadly, the guest that we had lined up for this week's show has no shown on me. They literally haven't responded to my emails and haven't turned up. But before I start shaming them, because there might be a very good reason for that that I just don't know, and before you guys start getting too sorry that I'm sat here in the Social Work Tutor Studios all alonesome tonight, I thought I would give you guys a treat in order to keep the content coming on a weekly basis, as I promised you guys I would. So, I am going to give you guys a glimpse into our Harry Potter shows. Those of you who support us at patreon.com forward slash social work tutor will have heard these shows so I apologize for that but for those of you who haven't I'm going to give you the first ever Harry Potter show we did now this show is over a year old now so some of the things we discussed might be quite outdated in relation to contemporary issues but hopefully you do enjoy the show itself in relation to the Harry Potter content and if you do enjoy this show then please do consider going over to Patreon patreon.com forward slash social work tutor where you can catch the entire series of these shows as well as many other out of hours and spin-off shows we do exclusively for our patreon supporters we have been doing these harry potter shows for over a year we are currently up to about the halfway point of Harry Potter and the Half-Blood Prince. So please do check out this show if you particularly enjoy it and do want to check out the rest of the series. We are about 50 or 60 shows in. Then do head over to patreon.com forward slash social work tutor. You're a wizard, Tilly. I would love to hear those words right now. I really would. Hello, muggles, and welcome to the very first episode of the Social Work Harry Potter podcast with me, your host, Social Work Tutor, and my glamorous, magical assistant, Tilly. Tilly, my friend, how are you doing? I'm really, really excited about this. Oh, I have been waiting for this for a long time. Combining my love of social work with Harry Potter, I am a complete Potterhead, so I cannot contain my excitement to do this, this series with you. Yes. So welcome, everybody. Welcome to another new year at Hogwarts. Me and Tilly, my professor. Tilly, if you were a professor, what prof- what, what would you be professor of? How would we refer to you? Uh, what, is in name? Would, you be, the, would, would I... you be the dark arts? Would you be oh, care of magical... I think I quite like charms. I think I'd be a charms teacher. That seems like my favourite subject, I think. In the Harry Potter world, I think I think I'd want I'd want the dark arts job. Well, defense against the dark arts. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're yeah. not teaching the dark arts. No, well, no, 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 not 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 yet. I am. I do feel sometimes I do teach people the dark arts of social work. 
I do. But that job's cursed, see? You can't spend more than a year in the, the job of Defence Against the Dark Arts teacher, so well, you survived longer than that in social work. How fitting that would be for an agency social worker like me who can't survive more than one year in one post. So I think, I think it it's would It's perfect. Work. It's made for you, then. <laughs> anyway, anyway, everyone, gather round and welcome to... Episode one of the Social Work Harry Potter podcast with me, your host, Professor Social Work Tutor, Professor of Defence Against the Dark Arts, and my co-host, the Magical Tilly, Professor of Charms. So those of you who've been following us for a while will know that on the main podcast that me and Tilly do called the Social Work Tutor podcast, we discussed doing a one-off Harry Potter show, didn't we, Tilly? We talked about maybe doing one. We were perhaps going to go down a case study of Harry's life. But that was the original idea, wasn't it? Yes, it was. That's right. But that was parked for a little bit. And then Tilly quite rightly called me out and she says, you were going to do that. And I says, yes, we were going to do that. And then I sat down and I started planning that show and I thought, there's no way we can do such a big subject as Harry Potter and social work in one show. I thought we need a double header. But then I started planning it. I thought, no, we need more than that. We need a lot more than that. So we decided on a 10-part series. And here we stand at the very first episode of this 10-part series, which is Welcome to Hogwarts. So, Tilly... Should we introduce our listeners to ourselves first? Because there may be some people who are coming across this podcast who perhaps haven't heard from us before, or perhaps who are only coming to this podcast for the first time, and maybe have heard of Social Work Tutor and perhaps seen some of your tweets and writing and seen me mention you, but perhaps have already come to this podcast brand new and haven't heard the main podcast. So would you like to start off by introducing your muggle self and not your magical self? Okay, so hello everyone. So my name is Tilly. I'm a social worker in the southwest of England. Um, I work in an adult peripatetic team, which means that I work across covering all different types of adult social work posts um, in one local authority. So one week I can be in a hospital team, the next I can be in a community team, working with a range of different service users. As long as they're over 18, then it's fair game for me I can work with anyone um, outside of social work um, some of you may know already that I have a love of horses and animals um, and dogs well um, I have a boyfriend that is currently stuck in Croatia and the podcast often covers my love life and updates about that um, and that's kind of me in a nutshell I think this, this is why I thought you would have gone for care of magical creatures, but we won't go there. We, we've decided, we've decided charms for you. So hi everyone, uh, I'm the social work tutor. I am a frontline child protection social worker and for the entire seven years of my child protection practice, I've only ever worked in frontline safeguarding. 
I run a popular blog uh, called uh, Social Work Tutor, surprisingly. The blog is on Social Work Tutor. The blog's called Social Work Tutor. I run a blog at socialworktutor.com. I obviously do the podcast, not only with Tilly, but we've got two other co-hosts who regularly record those with us called Matt and Karen. And I also run a popular Facebook page and got Instagram accounts that I put out memes, I put out content. So you may have seen me through one of those channels or read my book. I've written one book called The Truth About Social Work. I'm working on a couple of others. But when they'll be out, I'm not so sure because, you know, busy old game we've got. In my free time, I am a married father of two. I've got a daughter who's four-year-old, a son who is 11 months old. And between social work, between the podcast and between the kids, there isn't much else I have time to do. Please, if I had more time, I would perhaps do more. But yeah, between social work, the podcast, the blog, and my kids, that's my life. And it's a good life. You know, I'll sometimes mourn about it, but genuinely... I do love being a social worker. I love doing these podcasts. I love doing the social work tutor memes and articles. And of course, I love my wife and children more than anything else. So whilst I sometimes, I say sometimes, quite often more about social work, it's not because I hate the job. It's because I want it to be better. Me and Tilly, me and Tilly have a lot of things in common, but we both love Harry Potter as well as social work, don't we, Tilly? Oh, we do. It's definitely one of my great loves in life. So, here we go, my friends. Welcome to the first episode in our 10-part series, The Social Work Harry Potter Podcast. Are you ready to do this, Tilly, my friend? I am so excited. Let's go. Hello, everyone, and welcome to a new year at Hogwarts. I am the professor. We've decided that I am the professor of Defence Against the Dark Arts. And before we get into this introduction, Sean, I just want to tell you a little bit about the structure of these shows going forward. So we're going to have 10 shows. This is show number one, Welcome to a New Year at Hogwarts, which is going to be an introduction. Me and Tilly are going to spend some time talking about how we first came to know Harry Potter, our love of it, and talk a little bit about our favourite characters, who we think are most like, what houses we would be in, and so on. From show number two onwards through to show number nine, we are going to cover each of the books. Now, you might be saying there, hang on, two through to nine accounts to eight. It doesn't account to seven. You would be right. You would get 10 points for your respective house. So if you have said that to yourself, award yourself 10 house points. The reason we're doing this is although we are predominantly going to be basing the content of the podcast on the books, it would be remiss of of us not to consider just how massively popular the films have been. One of the highest grossing and most popular film franchises of all time. So what we are going to do from shows two through to nine, we are going to cover all seven books, but we are going to split the last book into two parts in accordance with the film. So week two will be The Philosopher's Stone. Now, for those of you in America, you will know that as The Sorcerer's Stone. However, me and Tilly, both being British, will refer to it as The Philosopher's Stone. 
Session three, episode three, Chamber of Secrets. Four, Prisoner of Azkaban. Five, Goblet of Fire. Six, The Order of the Phoenix. Seven, The Half-Blood Prince. Eight will be Deathly Hallows, part one. So that will end where the first part of the Deathly Hallows film does. Episode 9, Deathly Hallows Part 2. And then episode 10, all was well, a summary of everything we've discussed. So it's going to be over 10 episodes. Now, if you guys are listening to this live at the time that we're initially putting out, each one of these shows will be on a weekly basis, a recurring Saturday evening. Me and Tilly will be recording about 8pm GMT. And by the time it's edited and put together, it will be out about 10 10 30 p.m gmt so for those guys who are ahead of us in you know the eastern part of the world you'll probably pick it up in the morning for those that are similar to us you'll probably get it there sunday morning as well or if you're a night owl you might get it saturday night later on last last thing before you go to bed those of us those of you guys who follow us from north and south america you will get this um, early afternoon depending upon your time zones so if you are listening to this as it goes out, as so we're recording this for the first time, you will get these on a weekly basis. And those will be exclusively available to people who support us at patreon.com forward slash social work tutor. This show, as it goes out, is especially for you guys. However, if you are listening to this at a later date that is past May through to July, 2020 all shows will be available you can download them all as one and we suggest that you follow them on a chronological order it'll make more sense in relation to the books following that order but as well as that me and tilly will be referring back to things that have occurred in previous episodes now tilly i hope that makes sense to me do you think as i've explained it there that covers everything we need to allow the listeners to know as well Yep, I think you've covered everything there. Perfect. So there's like a little disclaimer at the start. There's a little terms and conditions. <laughs> we like of... doing them, don't we? Just to, to set the scene. <laughs> it's a social worker in us, Tilly. We need it to is. set out the regulations before we begin. We need to set exactly. out the framework for our practice. And even if we're talking about books, we have to still set out the framework for practice. <laughs> A little uh, confidentiality session, how long yes. it's going to last, and yeah. <laughs> We've set the scene. As for the format of the shows, guys, each episode will focus on a different book and we'll explore the social work themes that will be drawn from each. Now, as well as predominantly basing it off the book, we're going to reflect on the films too. So there may be elements of the book that are not on the films and elements of the films that are not on the books and vice versa. Because the films are so massively popular and so culturally relevant across the world, there may even be times when we end up sort of confusing the two. So uh, apologies for that. It is not going to be simply book canon or film canon. It is going to be a mixture of the both. Given the breadth of the books, we're simply not going to be able to cover everything we'd like to. So please do bear with us if we omit something that you think we needed to cover on the show. We'd love to have your messages, your tweets, your emails about this. Contact us through any of the social work tutor channels to do so. But please understand that we simply, in the one to two hours that we record this, we are simply not going to be able to cover anything. Equally, we may not be covering things that you think are the most important. It's going to be things that perhaps me and Tilly have picked up on ourselves and then massive themes that everyone will pick up on. So we're not going to be able to cover anything. But coming on to my final point, 
we strongly encourage you guys to engage by commenting on the shows that you've already heard and also get in touch if you think there's something you really want to be covered in a show a few down the line. So if you think, oh, there's something I really want to be discussed at the Half Blood Prince, drop us a message now. Again, that's if you're listening live when this first goes out in early summer 2020. One more thing to mention, actually. As this goes out live from May through to July 2020, me and Tilly are going to be watching the books, reading the books. Watching (laughs) Watching the the books? (laughs) Yeah, I'm just going to sit and look at them. I've done that a lot with books, actually. I buy books and I never read them. I just sit and I hope I'll somehow absorb them via osmosis. Do you know what? That was one of my dreams when I was a student trying to learn things. I would just like put the book next to me and be like, please send the information through. Wouldn't that be amazing? Oh, honestly, I've got so, <laughs> I buy books I never read. I've got so many, particularly when I was reading at the charity shop, uh, charity shop book buying about 12 years ago. Uh, I used to spend a lot of time just in charity shops looking for books and I would just take my fancy and I would buy them and I just had so, so many. Anyway, enough of my admission of sacrilege in the reading world. <laughs> We are going to be recording these week by week as it initially goes out. So if you want to read along with us, please do. So from episode one now through to episode two, we are going to be reading The Philosopher's Stone, a.k.a. The Sorcerer's Stone, and we are going to be watching the film. So do make contact with us via social media. Do make contact us via the Patreon app or Patreon Facebook page. Let us know how you are going along. So we'd love to know that we started like a little book club with this equally. If you were listening to this at a later date and you're not listening in live, so to speak, what you can do is you can still read the books if you want in between and take that gap so you sort of everything's fresh in your memory just as they are for us. And Tilly... Did you see the picture that I put out just before we started recording of all my old books that I've got back out my attic from my childhood home? Oh, I did. I've got the same versions. <clears throat> and But we have to say, they were in the wrong order. Social Work Tutor, what were you doing? <laughs> I don't know. Well, I don't know what I was doing, as truth be told. So, guys, basically, in, in preparation... For these shows, I, I mean, I've got the, the Harry Potter audiobooks and I've got them on Kindle. But I thought, if I'm going to do this properly, I want to get the originals out. So if you're from the UK, you will recall these books because they're iconic. They're, they're, they are the original hardback Bloomsbury editions, which are the ones that are sort of three block colours down the spine. And they've got the, the cartoon images on the front. And I said to my dad, I rang him up the other day, and I says, Dad, I need you to do us a favour. I need you to go up in the attic and have a rummage around and see if you can see my old books. And I said, in there, there should be a collection of Harry Potter ones. So through his and my cousin's help, my cousin just lives across the road from my dad in our old estate, they managed to get these books out of the loft and get them careered to me because I thought, if I'm going to do this right, not only do I want those iconic books, which I remember so well, I want to read the originals. So, yes, I am actually uh, going through the originals. It's exciting time to be an exciting time for me right now. It really is. Reliving your childhood. That's what it's all about. 
It probably is that dose of nostalgia. So, Tilly, now we've set the scene. We've set out the format for the show. We have laid the ethical framework right out there for our clients, a.k.a. listeners, to be fully informed of what we are getting involved in. Let's crack on. Tilly, first question for you, my friend. How did you first discover the wizarding world? So... The book started to come out when I was in my very, very early years. Um, I can remember, and I was chatting to my mum actually before we started recording this, because she was saying, oh, what are you doing on your podcast this week? And I said, oh, we're doing Harry Potter. And she said, I remember reading those books to you when you were little, maybe five, six years old, maybe. She used to read them to me in bed and she used to try and not... Well, she'd gloss over the scary parts because I have yeah. a massive fear of snakes. So like the Chamber of Secrets, when there was the basilisk, she'd just oh, yeah. skip two chunks of paragraphs to not give me nightmares. Um, and I can remember doing, I sort of read books one to four with my mum. And then I kind of had a break from Harry Potter. And I remember the books coming out and the films coming out. I watched films one through to four. But it wasn't until I was at university in my first year, living in halls of residence, studying for my social work degree, that I rekindled my love for Harry Potter. Um, I realised that I hadn't finished reading the series, so I hadn't Mm. read books five through to seven, or seen films five through to eight. Wow, wow. So it was like coming to it later in life, and oh my God, I was hooked. We had a Harry Potter movie marathon in our halls of residence with all of my <laughs> flatmates, which was just amazing. And then I lent, I borrowed my friend's Kindle and read all the books and just fell in love with the Wizarding World because I had those initial memories from, from being a very young child of books one through to four. But it, yeah, it, it did really become a big part of my life when I was at university so 18 19 um and every year since I've kind of stuck with them and kept going what what age were you in 1997 when the first book was released were you two or three three yeah wow (laughs) when the first Harry Potter book was released you were a year younger than my daughter is now wow wow so you, you came back to it later in life. And so how did you manage to escape it? I, would just, I mean, obviously you were aware of the films, but you just didn't fancy it at the time. Were you, were you going through your teenage rebellious period? Is that what it was? I think so. I think I thought that Harry Potter was a bit too kind of mainstream and kind of a bit geeky. Yeah. And I kind of rebelled against that. I was like, oh, I don't want to watch some wizards like and <laughs> I really regret that now because that is actually me I think I was just pushing a bit back against my true identity really and trying to be a bit cooler than I was and actually no I'm not I'm, I'm a complete geek so yeah I'm I don't regret actually coming back to it as an adult because the books to me although they are written originally for children they are adult books and I'm glad that I had that bit of maturity in place to really appreciate them yeah 
but yeah that's my story what about yours do you know what listeners we haven't just just to be very clear you guys listening me me and Tilly haven't discussed this off air or before recording so none of this is uh pre-planned or contrived so it's it's really eerie that you've said that Tilly because I first came to the books when I was 19 which would probably be a similar age to you when you talked about getting into them so I mean, the first Harry Potter book came out when I was 13. Uh, yeah, th- I was about to turn 14. So I turned 14 in, in September 97. So when the book came out, I would have been 13 or 14. And I was aware of them because they were in the sort of school library and I saw younger kids reading them. But until the film came out, I wasn't aware just how massive it was. And the first film came out 2000, 2001. And yeah. I've watched the first film when it came out because I used to watch a lot of films, but still never considered reading the books. So well, that time I was reading a lot of books like John Steinbeck. I was reading a lot of socialist books. I was reading a lot of um, left-leaning books. I was reading a lot of music books. I was reading The Lord of the Rings for the first time. I think I read when I was 17, 18, 19, 17 or 18, should I say. Uh, so I wasn't really, I wasn't really reading uh, more sort of light fiction, so to speak. I was either reading classics that I should have read earlier in my life, like Lord of the Rings, or I was reading more politically and socially aligned things. So summer 2003, I was a year into the relationship that I had with my very first girlfriend, a girl called Zoe. And if you guys have listened to the podcast before, this is the girl who I talked about going skinny dipping with. So those of you who have listened to the podcast before will have heard me talk about Zoe. Those of you who haven't, it's not a story I should have told at the time. And I'm certainly not going to embarrass myself by repeating it. But my first girlfriend, Zoe, had a massive profound effect on me in the fact that you talked about sort of missing Harry Potter because you were rebellious, Tilly. My rebellious years could potentially have seen me going down an extremely different path in life, which perhaps ended me up in prison, like a lot of my friends ended up on with serious drug and alcohol issues, like a number of my friends ended up with. So Zoe really changed my life. I was in a very difficult place in terms of crossroads, a lot of anguish in my life at that time. And I met her and she really got me on the straight of now. And thanks to her, I went to university and I set up on the path which led me to where I am now, running a social work tutor, Harry Potter podcast. So she's kind of the thanks for every, all the changes that I made in my life and being that positive direction. Should be at the start of your book when you go when you dedicate the book to someone. You should dedicate the Harry Potter podcast to her, to Zoe. My, my wife would kill us. My wife would kill us. Well, me. okay, maybe not. <laughs> Pretend I didn't say that then. Well, no, no, it's fine. It's fine to say it, but let's get real. <laughs> if I was to dedicate anything to an ex-girlfriend, I don't think it's going to go down well with my current wife. No, probably. no, absolutely not. Don't do that. So whilst I am secretly, guys, whilst I am secretly, just between me and, and you, which could be end up being tens of thousands of people who end up listening to this, just between me and you, 10,000 people and Tilly, it kind of probably is dedicated to her, but we'll not tell my wife that, okay? So that's a secret. Whispering side of makes it a secret. Anyway, we've been together about a year by summer 2003. And one of our first dates that we'd been on, we'd got together October, November the previous year. Um, 
no, maybe just after my birthday, maybe September, September 2002, we got together. Now, Chamber of Secrets, the second Harry Potter film, it came out around Christmas 2002. So I think late November, early December, I'd taken it. We used to go on a cinema day every Friday. So I'd taken it to the cinema to see that. I always knew she loved the books and she loved the audio books as well. She had them on CD back then. MP3s weren't really a thing. Then, or if they were a thing, they certainly weren't something we were aware of in rural Cumbria. We weren't aware of MP3s. And she always used to try and push me to watch, to, to read the books. And even, if, even though I'd liked The Chamber of Secrets, I was like, no, I'm not going to read the books. Now, Come about six, seven months later after watching the film, I'd spent the weekend at hers. Her, her, her parents had a big, massive farmhouse, so I used to spend most of my summer there sort of helping her dad out with the farmland and building and stuff like that. So my dad was a coal man when I grew up, and not much coal to be sold. Not much coal to be sold in the height of summer, so I used to go down and spend most of my weeks with her. So I'd been there a long weekend. I think I'd gone there Thursday to the Monday, and I was heading back on the Monday and she says look please I, I know you love reading just give these books a try and I said, all right I'll take it so I'll level with you Tilly when I when I took the first book when I took the philosopher's stone I had no intention of reading it genuinely didn't I thought I'll take it back and I'll just make up some lie about not having the time I'll give it back to her but taking it pacified her now living in the countryside like we did it was an hour's walk from her house to the bus stop now, her house, like a farmland set of walk, found many sort of country back lanes and fields to get to the bus stop. So I got to the bus stop and I was late for the bus, probably because I'd spent about half an hour arguing with her about how I wasn't going to take the bloody book. So it's probably karma <laughs> for not doing it. So I'd realised I'd missed the bus and I realised I'd missed it because I'd literally just seen it going over the brow of the hill. I was like, oh God. No, I didn't drive at the time. This was in the pre Uber days. My mobile phone literally had snake. And there was the internet, but you could go on WAP and it would cost you like about 50 pence a minute or something. So yeah. I wasn't just going to say, I didn't have MP3 player out like that. I thought, oh God, I've got three hours to wait for the next buddy bus. And because it was an hour back to her, I thought, well, I could walk back, sit for an hour and then just walk back. I'm not going to miss the bus again. So I'll sit down. What I forgot to entertain me, I thought, I've got this bloody book. Do you know what? I'm that bored. I'll give it a try. Three hours later, when the bus arrived, I was halfway through. I don't think I'd even stopped, literally gone through. And I got home, I read it on the bus, and as soon as I got home, I finished the first book later that night. I was back at hers about three or four days later, and I said, oh, yes, as you've got to, we, I need to have a look. I need to see these other books. So I read them. I read them there on a night when I was with her. I think I was like hanging out with her, but just reading these books. And I read all the first four within the first week. And then shortly after that, actually, I think this is how we'd got on because I think she persuaded me to read that first one because she knew Order of Phoenix was coming out. And Order of Phoenix came out June, July, 2003. So I think it was all I was lucky. Imagine that. I read the four books straight away. I could get onto the fifth. And we queued for Order of the Phoenix at midnight, and I was hooked ever since. So, yeah, um, I, I owe her for a lot of things in my life for sort of really 
And this kind of fits in with most of the stuff I, I order for because my parent was terrible. You know, the, the, the role models that both my parents gave me and the life I was afforded by my parents was disgusting. Neither of them had any ambition for, for me. Neither of them fostered any ambition for me. Neither of them pushed me to do anything. Their, their own lives were in chaos and their own lives hadn't turned out they wanted the way they wanted. And I don't doubt that they ever loved me. And both my parents are still here. They still do love me. But I just don't think they love themselves. And I think the pain that they inflicted on me was just the fact if they hadn't addressed their own issues. So what Zoe did is she took those toxic behaviours and those toxic activities I'm engaging with me and she showed me more wholesome things in her life. And one of the more, more wholesome things she showed me was the love of Harry Potter. And ever since then, Tilly, I've been a massive fan. That's got me all emotional listening to that. That is an amazing story of just like how everything came together and and you were saved by Mm. Harry Potter and this girl at the time. I love it. I was saved by, I wouldn't say I was saved by Harry Potter. I think I was saved by Harry Potter was more (laughs) a symptom of everything that she did to me because she did. She took me from, you know, I was engaging in lots of like, you know, antisocial behavior and just living my life in a a really bad way. And and the pleasure that I was seeking was a hedonistic, short-lived a pursuit of pleasure at the expense of other people. It just yeah, it wasn't a nice way to live my life whatsoever. My life was in chaos. And because she'd had a wholesome upbringing, she had parents that were still together. She had a nice family unit. Her parents had ambitions for her. She applied herself at school. Whereas I was one of these people who was gifted enough to be naturally bright, my option was, well, that means I can just course through. Because I kind of get this, it means I can just course through life. I don't have to try. She was someone that was bright and tried, and she could literally have been anything she wanted in life. She ended up being a nurse because she wanted a job where she could stay local and stay in the countryside and nurse and afford her that. But literally, she could have been anything she wanted in life. So we still, we still occasionally keep in touch again, which is why it would be awkward if I formally dedicated this podcast to her. Um, but What's interesting about Harry Potter is because of the cultural significance and massive popularity of the films and books, I can really remember where I was in my life when I saw all the films for the first time. And obviously the first four books, I remember them vividly because I read them you know, in a one over a course of a week. But I can really vividly remember where I was in my life when each of those last three came, books came out and all of the films came out. Because you get that with cultural things, don't you, Tilly? Because cultural things are so massive and so big that when you watch them, it can almost evoke memories of the time when you first saw those things. And you're, perhaps you don't get that with Harry Potter so much, given that you were very young when you read the first four or had read to you the first four and discovered them later. But... Have you seen that in other cultural aspects of your life, how you can almost be transported back to where you were by re-watching or re-reading? Oh, definitely. Especially with things like music. A song comes on and mm. you just suddenly feel it. You're back in that moment where you either first heard the song or it, the song became significant to you. Yeah, it, it's, that's a really powerful imagery, isn't it? To take, it takes you back. Yeah, because if I think about the books, I think obviously that that summer, summer 2003, it was the summer before I went to university for the first time before I moved to Lancaster. And I 
Yeah, I remember queuing at midnight for the Honor of the Phoenix. I remember reading it with her. We got the books together and we sat in, in, in a, one of the fields near her gardens, which had a really lovely view of a little lake. And we just took a, you know, took, I think, a bottle of wine she pinched off her mum and dad. And we just sat and we had cheese and bread and just read the books. And it was just what a gorgeous time of my life to be taken back. So I, was very, I feel very lucky and valued that I have those memories of such a halcyon, carefree era when I was in my late teens. And then I remember The Half-Blood Prince very well because I read that at a festival. That's the kind of guy I am. There was, oh. a festival. <laughs> there was a music festival, which I don't know if it's still going on. It was in southern Scotland, a music festival called The Wicker Man. And it was called The Wicker Man because on the Saturday night, they actually burnt a massive wicker man. They burnt a massive giant effigy. A um, bit paganistic. It was quite a cool festival, actually. So I think Harry Potter had came out just a couple of days before the festival. And I says, look, I'm going to have to take this to the festival. So I was actually actively looking forward to getting back to my tent on a night, sticking a candle on, reading the book. And then <laughs> and the, <laughs> the seventh book, uh, Deathly Hallows, uh, that was summer... Yes, yeah, so the books came out one year after every two years, didn't they? All three, all five, and all seven. And yeah, Deathly Hallows came out in summer 2007, and I was just starting managing a lap dancing bar when that book came out. As 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 crazy as my life ended up, I was managing a lap dancing bar um, in a rural, well, a rural in a, in a large Cumbrian town called Carlisle. I think it's a city actually, Carlisle, a city. Carlisle, I was, I, was, I was there. And for the films, I remember all the films quite vividly. I mean, the first one I saw on VHS, that's again how far we're going back, my friends. I watched that on video. And then all of the others, obviously, I remember going to the pictures. And it's funny because this was the sort of bookending of my life. The first Harry Potter film I went to see was with my first girlfriend, Zoe, and that was The Chamber of Secrets. The last Harry Potter film I saw at the cinema was with my wife and mother of my two children. And that's the spread. Oh. Anyway. Wow. <laughs> it sounds like it's like a chance. Sounds like therapy for me, doesn't it? Revealing I know. Relationship history. But yes, well, the but podcast is always a wild ride. It is. It is. <laughs> and again, those of you guys who listen to the main show or any of our spin-offs of on this will we'll certainly know it can go anywhere. Right, Dilly. Back away from my romantic involvement and how those are eerily truncated and interspersed with the wizarding world. Tilly, there are four houses in Gryffindor. What house would you... In Hogwarts. Hogwarts. (laughs) You've just named a house. (laughs) I have named a house. There are four houses in Hogwarts, Gryffindor being one of them. What house do you think you would be in and why? I am, without doubt, a Hufflepuff. And I say this because I think I have traits of all houses. I think we all have traits of all houses in us. And I have moved probably between the houses as I've got older. I think probably in my teenage years, I was much more Slytherin. Oh, why? Tell us why. I I was ambitious and I, I, I... didn't really have that much care for other people at that time mm. I was quite a selfish person which I think is is true with most teenagers the world kind of revolves around you I get that. um and then 
and then I think I moved to more Hufflepuff uh, towards my late teens, starting my social work training. And I, I really, that's kind of where I found Harry Potter again, um, my first year of uni. And I became that person who really values the hard work and loyalty and patience. And I really tried to be as much that as I possibly can. Um, and then I would say I probably moved into a bit more Gryffindor. I think I, I, there was points where I had to be quite brave and put myself out there. In the words of Brené Brown, put myself in the arena and, and, yeah. and not be afraid. So I think those were traits of Gryffindor. And now I feel like I'm in a more Ravenclaw headspace. Um, I've really started to go back to valuing learning and I mm. just want to learn everything and I, I, I read a lot and just absorb as much knowledge as I possibly can. But I think overall, I would say that Hufflepuff is the one that it's kind of like my aspirational house, really, because when I think to, to, about what sort of person I want my, me to be, it is Hufflepuff. It always has been. I do want to be that, that person that accepts everyone, kind of like the values of social work, really. I, I want to be there to be kind to others, accepting of all and, and diversity. Yeah. And just looking after others. And even though that's really hard sometimes, and I sometimes do unhufflepuff things, as we all do, that's always what I go back to. That's what I always want to strive to be. I like that too. I like that too. And, and, and I think what I think if you were to have a house that was most akin and aligned with the social work, professional values, and codes of ethics. We could probably both agree that would be Hufflepuff, wouldn't it? Yes. Yeah, it would be. For me, I, do you know what? I, I didn't didn't consider this actually when I was thinking about this until you said it, but I, I think you're right. I think I probably have got traits of all four houses, and I think that's what J.K. Rowling's so good in her writing because everything's so relatable. Like characters, everyone can see elements of them in it, and the houses as well. They've all got good and bad qualities, you know, at first glance, you think Slytherin's just negative because, you know, there wasn't a wizard who didn't go bad that was in Slytherin. But you see, well, actually, you know, as you've said, you know, ambitious, there were lots of good things there as well. I think if I was to pick one, it would probably be Gryffindor, simply based on the fact that I think I'm quite headstrong and I, and I think I rush into things I'll quite often not think things through before I act on them, but do it with good intentions. Like whenever I've got into altercations with people, or as a younger man had violent altercations and fist fights with people a long time before I became a social worker, this was harking back to those chaotic days. It was always because I was sticking up for friends that were weaker than me. So I used to, if anyone was being bullied by someone, I'd be like, well, you know, come and have a go at me. You, you can't go on like that, my friends, if you want to fight someone, you know take on someone your own size and but I did that in a, in a good manner I'd never like exert that on people in a bullying manner myself I just hate bullies hate people who would pick on others and it's very difficult for me in social work sometimes because I still carry a lot of that with me it's very difficult 
at times to be able to detach, particularly when I'm working with violent offenders, people that have done heinous things to their own partners and own children. But I managed to do that because I go down that person-centered route and reading a lot of person-centered practice and particularly basing it in Carl Rogers' theory, which is good people do bad things. And that that's what I didn't realize as a younger man. But that's what I've realized through my professional and personal journey. But I think on the balance, I'd have to go with Gryffindor, Tilly, simply because that headstrong rushing in nature of me. Well, let's do the right thing. Let's do the right thing. Let's do the correct thing. And we'll worry about the paperwork afterwards. Do you see where I'm coming from? Absolutely. <laughs> I definitely see you as a Gryffindor. Oh, I think I remember even talking about this on a show previously on a podcast with you about what houses we would be. Um, yeah, and I remember thinking, yeah, you're, you're definitely a Gryffindor. Because I think just to have the Social Work Tutor podcast and, and the um, the blog and the memes and putting yourself out there, I think that's a really Gryffindor brave thing to do because you're putting your head above the parapet in a world where people in the mainstream hate social workers so you've you've made yourself almost a target and I know that you you have experienced that um but you're doing it because that's what's right and it's about showing the world that social workers are more than the tabloid headlines and we need to be a platform for other social workers to come together and feel have that safe space to show that we are valued professionals. And Tilly, I most often do that without thinking things through. Yeah, there you go. The headstrong nature of Gryffindor. (laughs) (laughs) Let's just crack on, let's do it. Well, Tilly, pressure's on my friend. I'm going to put you to the test. So, oh, no, right, let's go. <laughs> I, I, listeners, in front of me right now, I have the actual Wizarding World, so the Pottermore official sorting hat quiz. So if you guys want to access this, you can just Google Wizarding World. Um, so the, the, it's wizardingworld.com. Head over to wizardingworld.com, sign up, it's all free, and go on the sorting hat quiz. So Tilly... Let's do this, my friend. I'm going to ask you all the questions. I want you to answer them truthfully, all right? Yeah, let's go. Right. Question number one. River or forest? Forest. Question number two. Would you rather be liked, trusted, feared, envied, imitated or praised do you want me to read them again no trusted all right tilly would rather be trusted question number three after you have died what would you most like people to do when they hear your name answer one ask for more stories about your adventures Miss you, but smile. Think with admiration of your achievements. Or I don't care what people think of me after I'm dead. It's what they think of me while I'm alive that counts. Oh. Miss me, but smile. Question four. A muggle confronts you and says that they are sure you are a witch. Do you 
Ask what makes them think so. Tell them that you're worried about their mental health and offer to call a doctor. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Agree and ask whether they'd like a free sample of a jinx. Or agree and walk away, leaving them to wonder whether you are bluffing. Oh, the last one. I'd leave them hanging. (laughs) Mysterious. Question five. Once every century, the flutterby bush produces flowers that adapt their scent to attracting the unwary. If it lured you, it would smell of the sea, home, a crackling log fire, or fresh parchment. The sea. The sea. Question six. Which of the following would you most likely to study? Would you most like to study? people, centaurs, werewolves, vampires, goblins, trolls, or ghosts? Ghosts. If you were attending Hogwarts, which pet would you choose to take with you? Would you take a cat, a toad, or an owl? An owl. If you were attending Hogwarts... Oh, hang on. Oh, which, which owl? So we spread it down here. So if you were attending Hogwarts, which owl would you choose to take with you? A barn owl? A tawny owl? A snowy owl? A screech owl? Or a brown owl? A tawny owl. I think. I don't really know what they look like, but hey. I'm going with tawny. (laughs) Heads or tails? Heads. The sorting hat is ready to make its decision. Oh! (laughs) Here we go. I'm nervous. (laughs) Right, right. Well, well, Tilly, are you ready for this? Yeah, go on then. Gryffindor. Am I? Oh, wow. Courage, bravery, determination. You probably know that some of Gryffindor's most renowned members include Albus Dumbledore and Harry Potter. But did you know the sword of Gryffindor was made a thousand years ago by goblins or that head of house Minerva McGonagall's hobbies include correcting articles in Transfiguration Today and supporting the Montrose Magpies? So... You thought you wow. were Hufflepuff, but Tilly, the uh, the official, this is the official. <laughs> it's not just like a BuzzFeed. It's not just something somebody's knocked up on a shady website or a dodgy app. Officially, you're a Gryffindor, so there's Gryffindor merch coming your way next week. Oh, see, I'll always be a Hufflepuff. I don't care about what, what the quiz puts me at. It's, well, um, well, I'm, well, I'm Hufflepuff in heart. <laughs> you, you can describe yourself as a Hufflepuff for the, for, for the duration from henceforth on this 10-part Harry Potter social work podcast. You're a Gryffindor. Right. Oh. Right, your turn. Oh, I've got it up. Scared, I've got right. it ready. Right, right, right. So, Fire away. Question number one. Um, choose one. Dawn or Dusk? Oh, so it's different for me. I like this. I like this, so I can't cheat. Dawn, 100%. I get up at 5am every morning, so it has to be dawn. Okay. Four boxes are placed before you. Which would you try and open? The gleaming 
jet black box with a silver lock and key marked with a mysterious rune that you know to be a mark of Merlin. A small pewter box, unassuming and plain, with a scratched message upon it that reads, I only open for the worthy. The small tortoiseshell box, embellished with a gold inside with a small creature, seem to be squeaking. Right. Or the ornate golden casket, standing on clawed feet, whose inscription warns that both secret knowledge and unbearable temptation lie within. Oh, do you know what? I, I was tempted by the second one, but then I like the idea of the last one because that sounds adventurous. But I, I, you know, I'm a big fan of Indiana Jones, and Indiana <laughs> Jones and the Last Crusade, the Holy Grail ends up being the most unassuming cup. It's the because you know Christ was a, was a, was a carpenter and he drank from a very humble vessel. And that's that. That's I would go for the humble one. So you want the pewter box? One. The other one. Yeah, I think that's that would okay. hide the most exciting items in. If you were attending Hogwarts, which pet would you choose to take with you? Cats, toads, or owls? I think I have to go for an owl, even though I've got two cats. I'm not the biggest cat. They're dead fan. useful, aren't they? That's the thing. Yeah, good point with and the owl. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hundred percent owl, definitely. And which type would you like? So barn, barn owl. owl. Barn owl. Barn I'm, owl. I'm okay. from the countryside. Have to be barn <laughs> owl. After you have died, what will you most like to be? Uh, let me start that again. I can't read. After you have died, what would you most like people to do when they hear your name? To ask for more stories about your adventures. Miss you, but smile. Think with admiration of your achievements. Or I don't care what people think of me after I'm dead. It's what they think of me when I'm alive that counts. I think I'll go for the third one, think of achievements. I, I believe that I believe that you should try and leave a legacy behind. And if you can leave lasting memories behind with people, then in a way, you know, I think there's an old saying, which is um, some people die twice. The first time they die is when they physically die. And the second time they die is when the last person utters their name. So I think it's I think it's important to try and live your life in a way that leads to that legacy. So I think I would go for that one. People remember what I've done. Okay. Next question. Late at night, walking alone down the street, you hear a peculiar cry that you believe to have a magical source. Do you? Draw your wand and stand your ground. Withdraw into the shadows to await developments while mentally reviewing the most appropriate defensive and offensive spells should trouble occur. Draw your wand and try to discover the source of the noise. Proceed with caution, keeping one hand on your concealed wand and an eye out for any disturbance. I think I'll probably go for the last one because I'm, I'm, yeah, I think I'll go for that one because I'll probably be cautious in that situation. I think any of the other, any of the other things would be folly. So I think I'll go for that one. Okay. Next question. Which of the following do you find most difficult to deal with? Loneliness. Boredom, hunger, being ignored, or cold? Boredom, 100% boredom. Okay. 
what are you most looking forward to learning at Hogwarts? So one, all about learning about magical creatures, how to befriend and care for them. Flying on a broomstick. <laughs> apparition and disapparition, being able to materialise and dematerialise at will. Secrets about the castle. Transfiguration, turning one object into another object. Hexes and jinxes. Every area of magic that I can. If it wasn't for the last one, I would have definitely said flying. I think all the other things are nice, but the ability to fly on a broom is like, you know, flight is like everyone's dream, isn't it? You know, the ability to fly, all, all the superheroes could fly. But given that the last one kind of covers everything, I think that would be the prudent choice. Um, yeah, everything I can. Okay. See, I'd be scared of learning to fly because I'm really frightened of heights. So going on a broomstick would be literally my worst nightmare. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's a fair point, I suppose. Yeah. Yeah, no, definitely the last one then. Yeah, definitely. Okay. Next question. Black mm-hmm. or white? I have to be black. My car's black. My phone's black. My watch is black. My furniture's black. My microphone that sits before me now my headphones are black so has okay. to be black. the sorting hat is ready oh. to make its decision oh. <laughs> drum roll please oh, i'm nervous i'm really nervous what do you think you've got do you know what i've got a sneaking feeling i might be ravenclaw <sighs> shall i put you out your misery go for it it's gryffindor oh nice Miss Bella, we're housemates Yay. that is good <laughs> that, that is good actually the reason why i thought ravenclaw was just because of the cautiousness and the um wanting to learn everything i thought that yeah might me that way um nice well it's the house that i thought i was in anyway it's the house you thought i was in and even though you are not hufflepuff we are in the same house that means we can continue that means we can crack on with the we show we can we can be sat in the common room instead <laughs> of being on a on a ship or a wherever land we're sat in the gryffindor common room by the yes, we... crackling log fire and those comfy armchairs in the tower listening to the wind howling outside oh, those are good questions as well those are good questions i like they that are, aren't they? they're quite like deep a, yeah yeah like a psychometric test there a lot of them made me really think i like that i like that um well tilly now we know that, as you've said, we are both in the Gryffindor common room. Good times. Um, what's your favourite book and why? Put you right on the spot here. I've oh. shifted up a pace quickly on the spot. No, don't quickly take your time. I want to understand why. <laughs> it's all right. Which, I've got my notes. I've got my podcast prep. Good stuff. So, which is your favourite book and why? It has to be The Prisoner of Azkaban. Um, I like the fact that... It's quite a short book, and it's the last short book of the series, and you get to see more of the wizarding world. And I love the fact that, like, it's almost it almost makes it real the story in the fact that things don't always go Harry's way. So, for for example, when he finds out that Sirius. Um, is his godfather and Sirius asks him to go and live with him and then Pettigrew escapes and it's like oh he was so close but so far and in most children's books you'd expect like it all to end happily ever after yeah yeah. but it doesn't and I, I I find that really powerful 
Um, and you get the sense of injustice as well, like when Buckbeak had sentenced even when he didn't do anything wrong. Yeah. And it's like that, um, the justice system is biased and like sometimes the good don't always win. I know yeah. they do overall, but it just, it adds a lot more depth and you see much more of the wizarding world and the, and the, the characters start to develop. And I think for me, it's, it's the best written book out of all of them. Mm. What about you? Well, Tilly, just as we're both in the, uh, in the same house, we are both proud Gryffindors. I 100% have to agree with you. I think all of the books are amazing. Don't get me wrong. The, the, one of the, if not the, I mean, I think if I have a look at book series, the Harry Potter series is up there for me with A Song of Ice and Fire, which isn't completed yet. And it is up there with Lord of the Rings. I think I'll put those three book series for me is is up there. So all of the books are absolutely amazing. Um, I do still have so much I prefer to others, but equally you couldn't take any of those books out and it not work because each one fits so perfectly in building up to the next one or setting the scene for the former one leading on from that. But I have to say, Prisoner of Azkaban, there was so much crammed into. Actually, let's have a look at the book. I think I say, you know, let's get let's get the book out, which I would have first read back in seventeen years ago. So it's three hundred and seventeen pages. Is the Prisoner of Azkaban? But in those three hundred and seventeen pages, you cover so much. It's the first time you actually go out of Hogwarts and see the wider magical world obviously you see elements of the muggle world in the first two books but the fact you know he gets picked up by the night bus then he goes and spends time at the leaky cauldron and then i mean when you first hear about azkaban this prison and the dementors and with hagrid getting you know the, the job is you care of magical creatures and just everything that the wizard world just opens up i think you use that term the wizard world opens up and that is exactly what happens you see because the first two books, are, you hear elements of the wider world, but they're simply just based at Hogwarts and what's happened in the wider world and what's happened in Hogwarts. The, the two things are completely separate. Hogwarts is like a microcosm. It's its own little bubble in an echo chamber. It's very far removed from the wider world, both the Muggle and Wizarding world. But if you think about that third book, there's so much. And, and I think the twist at the end with the time turner is amazing. And the twist at the end that Sirius isn't out to kill Harry Potter. And then Peter Pettigrew's there. And you learn all about that. That twist at the end is just unbelievable. And yeah, I think, I, I don't mean to use this lightly because I understand all the other books are amazing. But for me, it's head and shoulders above the other six for how much is condensed into such a small book and just the rapid nature of the story it's um yeah it really is special well like i said all the books are amazing but for me that one and you could probably read it in in a weekend couldn't you probably less easily yeah <laughs> a few hours if that <laughs> coming on to films then as i said at the introduction we are going to be predominantly basing the podcast on the books. Well, we say that at the start, it may end up because we talk about the films more, but we're going to be talking about both. <laughs> What's your favourite film and why, and does that differ from your favourite book? 
So I find choosing the favourite film a really, really hard thing to do because I think, like you said, The Prisoner of Azkaban book, head and shoulders above the rest. But for me, I don't think there's a film that overly stands out. Um, and I have gone back, I have rewatched them all because I, I just needed to help to pick this answer. And I have to say, I think it might be The Half-Blood Prince for me. Um mainly because of Dumbledore's death scene at the end with the wands up. Um, Like, for me, that's one of the most heart-wrenching moments of the whole franchise because it just gives me goosebumps and it's just so powerful. But I think the whole film, I like the fact that the characters are kind of coming into their adult life now. Um, And there's quite a lot of contrast in the film of the light moments, the really funny moments like with the love potion and Ron Slughorn but then there's those really really dark moments like when Dumbledore dies and I love learning more about Voldemort's backstory as well because that's really interesting when they go to the children's home yeah and and up until that point he's been Voldemort's been quite a two-dimensional character because he's just evil but then you see those cracks and you get those stories and you think Okay, I don't condone what he's done. And you get that in the books, but you don't get that in the film. In the books, you obviously get, you realise just what a horrible upbringing he had and how his mother and father's relationship is obviously non-existent and terrible. But yeah, you don't get that in the film. And even in the film, in that film, The Half Blood Prince, you touch on it, but you don't get the full extent, do you? You don't, you don't. It's just the tip of the iceberg in the films. But I think overall, for me that film just about clenches it. I do like um, Deathly Hallows Part 1 because I, I think as a standalone film, I know it's it's not always a popular one with people and it's one mm. of some people's least favourite ones. But I love the imagery of like the story of the three brothers and yeah, yeah. I think there's some elements of that film that are really cleverly done. But overall... Where it, um, it goes to the animation's amazing, isn't it? Yeah, yeah beautifully done but i think overall i think i'd have to say the half blood prince there we have it half blood prince good choice um for me my favorite film is the goblet of fire the reason why is it's just pure action throughout. If you think the whole film is just bang, 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 it's like an action film. I know a lot of the, the Harry Potters are lots of action in them, but the Goblet of Fire is just no let up, 100 mile an hour throughout. I mean, it starts with the Quidditch World Cup, and immediately you've got Death Eaters there. Then you've got Mad-Eye Moody, who, get well, who we think is Mad-Eye Moody, who ends up, you know, being Barty Crouch but who ends up uh, coming into Hogwarts, you know, when the, the lightning's striking, you see him coming up in the rain, just, and then suddenly you've got, you know, uh, ball battens and Dernstrang turn up and they do the little dances and Harry's, is he going to be in the, the Triwizard Tournament or not? Then he is, and then just bang, you've got the three elements of that and you've got dragons, and you've got Cedric Diggory's death and you've got that amazing subplot where you see that Hermione ends up going to the prom, the Winter's Ball, with um, Victor Crumb, and Ron gets sort of upset with her and gets sort of cheeky with her, and he's had his arms or hands all over you, and then she goes like, well, you should have asked me, you should have asked me first, and then I just think, 
throughout that film, it's just non-stop. There's no let up. And I've got criticisms of, well, again, all the films are amazing, but criticisms from some films, such as one you just mentioned, Deathly Hallows Part 1, there's a lot of just hanging around in the tent. And I think I could, in most films, I could pick up lows or dull points, but with the Goblet of Fire, if I was just to if I was just to watch one film that had a narrative throughout that was almost standalone in itself that you could watch standalone, have not watched any of the others, and have a really really brilliant film in its own right, for me, I think that would be Goblet of Fire, and that's why for me, Goblet of Fire is uh, my personal favourite film. It's very tricky to pick, isn't it? Like, oh, yeah, it's really it's so hard, but. Like as you said, they're all amazing, yeah, but really a, a very worthy film. Yes. Okay. Um, right. Favorite characters. Now, initially, Tilly, I going to, uh, initially I was thinking when we were considering this, just who was your one favorite character and why? But I'm going to break this down to make it a bit more interesting. I put you on the spot here, so my apologies. You're straying. <laughs> You're straying I, I from always, the podcast prep sheet. Oh, no. I always. I always <laughs> just like... Because when I was thinking about this, when, when I was doing my notes, I was thinking, here's my favourite character and why. There was one standout character. And I thought, I kind of wanted to think of which was my favourite of the three leads or who you know I liked the most out of Harry, Hermione and Ron. And then I also thought, I've got to consider the baddies as well. Who's my favourite baddie? So hopefully that isn't too hard for you to do. So let's start off. Who is your favourite baddie and why? Who's your favourite evil wrongdoer and why do you like them? Not who's most like you, because we'll go on to that next. But who is your favourite evil character? Oh... Part of me wants to say Umbridge, but just because she elicits such yeah. a strong reaction. I mean, she's hideous uh, and pure evil, but in such a sickly sweet way. Yeah. I think I think the way that J.K. Rowling wrote that is is amazing. And the actress who plays her in the films, I can't remember her name, but um, just does the most incredible portrayal that makes yeah. you want to stab her multiple times. Yeah. And I'm not a violent person. So I think for me, it's got to be her. Good choice. She was my, she was a very close second for me, almost first. And yeah, she's, she, she's amazing. I think what's, what about Dolores Umbridge is she, she's someone who exists in real life. We all, we've all met people like Umbridge who are passive aggressive to the extreme and who hide behind a twee, kind hearted, full, fluffy personality but are really evil. And the actress you're mentioning is Imelda Staunton. She's, she's amazing. I mean, the casting throughout Harry Potter is unbelievable. Whoever, you, you could not think of anyone other than the characters who got their role getting them. The casting is amazing throughout. It's, it's unbelievable. But we've all met people in real life who are like Umbridge, haven't we, Tilly? Yeah, yeah, I can think of Many of us have worked. (laughs) Many of us have had senior managers within social work that are a bit like Umbridge who will try and be sweet to your face, but then behind. Oh, yeah, but we're not going to go there because we don't want to get either of us in trouble. Um, 
So Umbridge was a very close second, but my favourite, I think, is Bellatrix Lestrange. Oh, she was my close second. <laughs> just, I mean, just because Helena Bonham Carter is an, an amazing actress. Anyway. Helena Bonham Carter, Carter is the only woman my gay uncle has ever fancied. Wow. Whenever I think of her, whenever I see her, I always think that. I think, Uncle Peter, she's the only woman that would have turned my Uncle Peter straight. Anyway, <laughs> moving on from that strange deviation, I just think she's just so, she's just crazy. She's just a wild, larger-than-life character. And I think she's portrayed superbly, and I think, yeah, she's just, there's just no airs and graces whatsoever. There's no subtlety. She's just... Wild, isn't she? Yeah, and I think she's one of those characters that's better in the film than in the book. Well, in the book, there's not much to her, really, isn't there? It's not really fleshed out so much now. It's credit to the powers of Helena Bonham Carter as an actor to do that, isn't it? Absolutely. But it's interesting that we both pick the same, but, yeah, I think you could give me either, and I I would be inclined to agree, but I think... Bellatrix slightly ahead of Dolores Umbridge for me. Now, out of your leads, who's your favourite, Ron, Harry or Hermione? Oh, I have to say Hermione because I don't want to go straight into the next question, but I think she's the most like me. I think she's the glue that holds the trio together. I think without her, they wouldn't have got very far. So... Yeah, I think she'd have to be my favourite. But yes, she's then... not my favourite out of all the characters. Oh, we'll we're going to get there next. Yes. But let's to save you, to keep your powder dry, given you've revealed your hand that you think Hermione's most like you. On this one, I've picked Hermione as well. Not because she's most like me, but she's the only one out of the three that I cannot pick a single flaw with, honestly. Like, there are, there are elements of Ron which Ron would admit he gets totally wrong. He messes up all the time, and, you know, he, there's, there's things that he does which he regrets, one of which we talked about earlier in the um, Goblet of Fire, where he's, he's horrible to Hermione. He really is absolutely really, really cruel to her. He should have told her that he liked her and that he fancied her. He wanted to take her, yet he throws it back in her face when somebody goes and asks her out through no fault of her own. Terrible behaviour. I cannot think of one flaw with Hermione. I genuinely can't. She's the only character out of the three leads. She's always pure of heart in every single thing she does. She's diligent, she's committed, and she always does the right thing for the right reasons. And there's not one element of her personality where she she messes up or does something that she didn't strive to do. And I think she, she's just the purest of characters, Tilly. I really think she is. Perhaps out of the, everyone in, in the whole books, she perhaps is the most moral and pure person out of everyone, potentially. But I think out of the three leads, she's my favourite character by a mile. Yeah. Out of everyone, though, out of all the characters, <laughs> who's your favourite and why? Well, before I answer that, I just have to give a couple of honourable mentions because I could I, I find this really hard to narrow down. Molly and Arthur Weasley are just yeah. like oh amazing characters. Molly is that mother hen of everyone. She she has no money and yet she takes Harry in as her own yeah. and treats him like a son. And she's just so 
kind-hearted and Arthur with his little loving the, <laughs> the muggle <laughs> things everything about the muggle world and the fact that they could have used their pure blood status to get along exactly, and he could have gone exactly. to promotions and yet he still stay well they both stay that pure of heart and accept that that yes they have that privilege in the fact that they're pure bloods but they don't use it because they value um, yes. everyone um Luna is another special mention. I just love how weird she is and the fact that she's okay in her own skin. But I kind of, I, she's one of my aspirational characters because I think, oh, I would really sometimes love to be more like Luna. Just that carefree, really resilient and just doesn't... She don't care. She doesn't care what anyone thinks, does she? She just owns it. She She does does not care what anyone else... She lives her life on her own terms and she's beautiful for it. Yeah. But my absolute favourite character of the whole series has to be Neville Longbottom. (laughs) Just because I really want to always root for the underdog. I know that's me all over. And... I just love the development of Neville's character. That that little boy that almost didn't get into Hogwarts because he didn't quite have enough magic. But he stands up for what he believes in. He doesn't really have many friends, but through um, Dumbledore's army, he really starts to yeah. show himself as a Gryffindor. And then in the end, when he stands up to Voldemort and says yeah, out yeah, any yeah, of yeah, them, yeah, no, yeah, yeah. I, I am going to always choose good and he kills the snake and he's my absolute hero of the whole whole series good choice and the actor's quite hot as well so there we go he's he's one of these people that's grown into it hasn't he if you saw him in the first one and now he's he's a he's a hunk of a man um We'll get on to Neville later because the next question is which character you think you most like Uh, and I may Spoiler alert, consider Neville Longbottom as being someone I feel somewhat of an affinity with. But my favourite character is Professor Snape. Oh, I didn't think you'd choose him. He's quite a controversial one. Well, I'll tell you why he's my favourite, because I think his tragic love story absolutely tugs at my heart. You know, after all this time, always. And I think... There were, there were elements of a lot of love stories throughout, and the love stories aren't obviously completed. You know, you hear a lot about Harry's parents' love, and you hear a lot about teenage relationships, and obviously you see that Harry and, and Jilly get together, and you see that Ron and Hermione get together, but you have like almost a jump from the start of those relationships, the very early kindling of that fire, and then a decade and a half later, when their children are going to Hogwarts for the first time, you see the end of it, but you don't see the progression of that love. You don't have the love story. Yet with Snape, you see that love story. You see how he he fell in love with Lily Potter and how he was the sort of one who showed her that having these powers was, was normal. And they were very good friends. And then you've got, Harry Potter's dad, James Potter, who, let's get this real, is a bit of a dick, Tilly, isn't he? <laughs> he let's is. get, this, get this right. James Potter he is, is a, a bully. Is yeah. a bit of a dick. There isn't any... I talked earlier about one of the reasons why I like Hermione so much is because she's pure. 
Um, yeah, James Potter isn't a good guy, is he? No, no. Hear, he might have grown into to it, yeah. but as a teenage boy, not someone you want to be around with. And you, you don't hear of anything. I mean, you hear about his achievements, you know, the Quidditch team, you know, what a you know, strong guy he was, you know, he's sort of intelligence, he's good looks. He has a lot of admirable qualities, but he's not a humble man who who, who, who treats others well. And I think when you, when you see Snape, sorry that he was there for Lily, he gave her that confidence, the very close friends, and James comes along and sort of takes her off him. Yet he harbours that love for her forever to the point where he literally then ends up sacrificing himself for her son, despite the fact that he had every reason and right to hate him because he's so much like his father, same for, save for his mother's eyes, but because he's so much like his father, who was the bane and the nemesis of Snape's life. And I just think his character arc is the most complete out of everyone's, if you think. Where he starts, you hear about his childhood, you know, from the, the sixth book onwards, when you reveals that he was the half-blood prince. You start hearing about his childhood. And then, obviously, by the time it does come to the last book, you, you really do hear about everything. But I just think that Severus Snape is, is, is my favourite character because of everything that goes to him, the richness, of his, in the richness of his character, the whole arc, the backstory, that tragic love that runs throughout it. And he's such a strong character as well. I think, harking back to the films too, I think Alan Rickman, God rest oh, his soul, played him absolutely superbly. And, and, and I do think, when you want to think of my favourite character, not the one I necessarily like the most, but the character who stands out for me the most. It, it has to be Severus Snape, and that's why. Yeah. I mean, for me, he was one of my favourites. But actually, when I've reread the book subsequently, I lose a bit of respect for him just because he is so nasty to his students yeah. and he does he, he is quite spiteful and he is a bully like he terrifies poor neville <laughs> but to if the you point compare, where neville boggers snape <laughs> but if you if you compare what he's like compared to someone like umbridge is like oh yeah to the yeah. students you know it, it, snape does what many teachers in the real world in the muggle world would do he, he intimidates pupils just through using the appropriate discipline. Might be extreme level of that, but he's not doing anything that you know is is to the extent of an umbrage or someone. But do you not think he's like that because life's made him bitter? Can you not? You, you know. There's, oh, there's I can see it. He's like that. Yeah, there are. And he is that classic tragic hero, isn't yeah. he? He's yeah, of course he he's gone through so much and I I do like his story arc, like you say. It's that that enduring love is is very powerful. But for me, it he, he it doesn't quite redeem him enough to be my favourite character. Good old oh, Neville. To- Neville the underdog has it for me. And 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 that that's a good choice. We're going to get onto to a bit more about Neville now. Um, to start with, Ortelli, before I talk about Neville, which character do you think is most like you? 
and why. It's not the one you want to be like, or not the one you like the most. Hand on heart, which character do you think is the most similar to yourself? I think it has to be Hermione. Um, And she's not necessarily one that I would always strive to be like, Um, but I think there's elements of her that just really fit with my character. Um, Like She is the kind of the leader in the group, and out of my friends, I am generally the leader of the group. Um, And always the one that looks out for others and is really organised and a bit pedantic about things as well. Um, That could be me. And bossy. Hermione's quite bossy. I can be quite bossy too. <laughs> I like it. Um, I have elements of Tonk's character, I think, as well. Oh, tell me more about that. That's quite interesting. So Tonks, is I a, am... Tonks is a character that isn't spoken about that much, so tell me more about no, this. No, I am really clumsy. <laughs> like, really, <laughs> really clumsy. To the point Maybe. where I've often thought, like, do I have dyspraxia or something like that? Because I am forever bumping into things, knocking things over. I blame my long limbs. I am just, my limbs are too long for my body. (laughs) Um, And I like the fact that Tonks, she's like, she's obviously really, really talented because she's an aura and she's one that Alistair Moody picks out as as being his protege. But she kind of, she does, she's quite unassuming about it. And she's, She's clumsy and a bit clunky and and a bit of a joker as well. So I can see elements of her with me, but I think overall it would have to be Hermione, mainly for the bossy, nerdy type that that is in within me. I think. Hmm. I mean, obviously she's got a she's got a sad end, Tonks. You know, she dies, doesn't she? Edgar Bellatrix. So I was talking about my favourite buddy. Um, kills her and Bellatrix is related to her. Is Bellatrix a, a Tonks aunt, isn't she? Yeah, yeah, god. So Bellatrix kills you know two of her family members. Um, what a cow! Still, she's my favorite baddie, <laughs> that's why because she's you know so homicidal. Homo- she, she's horrible. Um, yeah. <laughs> homicidal, homicidal was the word I was looking for there. I, I was thinking about this for some time. And when I was thinking about the bad parts of my character, I thought, geez, am I not like Gildor Lockhart? No. (laughs) That's what I thought. I thought there are a lot of things, not so much now, but there's a lot of times in my life when I've BS'd about stuff and bigged myself up far more than I was capable of. Like, fake it until you make it used to be my attitude and a lot of things, and I thought... That's kind of like Gilderoy, isn't it? Gilderoy is like a well, fake it until he never makes it, I suppose. So but I thought, fake it till you make it is a that's a, a motto that I go with pretty much every day. I don't think that's a bad thing. I think sometimes not, we have. Do you not think to... that makes you a little bit Gilderoy? Do you not think that makes you a little bit Lockhart? No, I don't. <laughs> <laughs> I don't yeah. because I think in social work, t- t- turning this round into an actual social work thing here is what it's advice I often give to people because. We often feel like we have that imposter syndrome in social work, that we shouldn't be there. And actually, sometimes I'm like, that's okay. Just fake it until you realise, not to to 
put yourself in a situation that you can't handle. I'm not for any second advocating that, but you've almost got to have that almost actor mode where you go in and you're like, this is professional me right now. I'm going to put this persona out there that I'm, I know what I'm doing. I'm a competent social worker. And then I think you become that person that you're acting. And I think that's kind of, that advice has worked for me before. And I think it's helped me grow as a social worker. Just, it's almost believing in yourself, like that self-fulfilling prophecy. If you are faking it, not in a way that's dangerous in practice, but in a way that, that makes you feel a more confident professional, then, then that's how you'll turn out to be. So don't put yourself down. I, I don't think it's wrong to do that. To be like that. Well, it doesn't make you Gilderoy Lockhart. In that case, I'm proud to be Gilderoy Noel. Um, seriously, though, I, when I think about who's most like me, I think about who encompasses most elements of my personality. And this is probably quite fitting, given I've ended up in, in uh, Gryffindor. Probably Neville Longbottom, simply because I think um, in my life I've gone through a similar period to Neville Longbottom. I spoke a little bit about my childhood earlier, but... Uh, for long periods of my childhood and into my late teens, I was a very introverted character and I wasn't very confident. My family life and my home life had made me lack confidence in a lot of things. You know, I, I, I grew up in abject poverty and really serious neglect. So because of that, I could never have friends around my house because my house was absolutely a terrible state. I mean, we didn't have hot running water for a long time. A lot of the time, we wouldn't have electric on, you know. The home was, like, really, really unsanitary. Like, I've, I've removed children from homes that have been in far better conditions than the home that I grew up with for eight years of my father's care. It wasn't that my dad... My dad just didn't think there was anything wrong with it. He was like a hoarder and it was just disgusting home conditions. So because of that, I had a big stigma. You know, when you can't even take people into your family home because of the conditions and when you're really struggling for money, um, it, it makes you quite a passive and introverted character because you don't want to draw attention to yourself. And obviously I was wearing dirty clothes and stuff. Uh, I didn't have nice labels. My clothes were in a bad state and all sorts. So I was quite very introverted. I said quite, I was very introverted because even though I had this sort of person inside me, I wanted to be more and I felt I had the capability of being more. I didn't want to bring attention to myself. So when I think about the character whose childhood into adolescence was most like mine, it probably is Neville for for similar reasons of the fact that he was quite quiet, didn't want to bring attention to himself, but through the support of his friends and through gentle encouragement throughout his education, he was made to realise, well, you, you, you are worthy, you have got good values in your life, and then he grew to stand by his own merit and ends up, like he quite rightly said, slain Nagini. Now, given that Nagini was Voldemort's last Horcrux at that point, if not for Neville doing that, the battle would never have been won. Because Harry had tried up in the tower to get the snake, but he hadn't managed it. And he ends up being 
you know, very much an integral part of the story. So I think about a journey that someone who went from almost a, a point of ridicule and an object of ridicule, a target of bullying, who was very meek and kept his head down, used the term you said earlier, didn't put his head above the parapet, to somebody who goes through that journey and is able to put his head above the parapet and stand firm and stand tall as himself, as an individual, and as a young man, I think, when I think about who I'm most like, that is where I can see the most similarities to my own, particularly my own childhood into adolescent, which obviously, if you think about the seven books, that's the journey the children go on from being 11, 12, through to being 17, 18. Wow. I was just sat there listening to that, and I was thinking, gosh, Harry Potter is such a powerful reflective tool, isn't it, that more social workers could use? Because... It really helps you think about where you've come from, what your values are, and who you aspire to be. And I've never really thought about that before. It's just suddenly clicked with me. We should get more social workers to to use things like Harry Potter or any of the stories that, that they think are powerful, whether it's, I don't know, anything like Disney films or, or whatever it is, to think, well, what... What characters am I like and what characters do I want to be as a person and as a social worker? So very, very useful, reflective tool. Get out Gibbs and Kolb and and bring in J.K. (laughs) Rowling. There we go. We should write a Harry Potter book. How to reflect as a social worker. Just read and watch Harry Potter and think about how that relates to your life. And here we stand and here we are about to start. Well, we've already started the series, but here we are at the start of a 10-part series doing exactly that, Tilly. So we we have called on we have called on people to do this. We have found people wanting, so we have become those people that we needed. We have become the Neville Longbottoms and Hermione Grangers <laughs> in our own lives. Wow, I love that. That's a good that's good um note to end on really isn't it it is it is a good note to end on and having said that my friends we are coming to the end of the first part in this 10-part social work harry potter podcast before we end though just a quick note again now to say something that i said at the start of this show if you are listening to this live and if you are listening to this at the time it goes out from mid-may through to early July 2020. We would love you to join in with us. We would love the audience participation. We'd love to hear your thoughts, views, wishes, feelings, feedback, and your views about what you would like us to consider in future shows as well. So between now and the next show, over the next week, me and Tilly are going to be rereading The Philosopher's Stone. Again, for our North American friends, you'll know that as The Philosopher's Stones. And we're going to be watching the film too. I think the order I'm going to do it, I think I'm going to go book first, then film, Tilly. What would you recommend? Would you say film, then yeah. book? Or, yeah. No, no, book first, then film. Yeah, I don't want, I don't want to have the, the film sort of sully, not really sully, but influence the book. So yeah, I'm going to, going to start the book as soon as we've finished and I've done the editing, I'm going to start the book before bed tonight. We encourage you guys to join us in doing the same. So if you're all listening to this show as it goes out in May 2020, do join us in rereading 
the Philosopher's Stone, aka the Sorcerer's Stone, and do join us in watching that book. And if you don't have time for the book, just do the film instead. Between now and the time the next show goes out, drop us a message, primarily on Patreon, given that this is a Patreon-exclusive podcast. Primarily send us a message on there. That's the easiest way to pick them up because there are a lot less people and members of Patreon than they are on the Facebook page and a lot more less people on there that email me regularly. So it's easy for me to pick up those messages. If you can't message us through Patreon, send me a tweet, send me an Instagram DM, send me a Facebook message, or send me an email, swt at socialworktutor.com. Let us know you're reading with us. Let us know you're watching with us. Let us know any views you have and any topics of conversation for future shows. And we will endeavor to get your views on there, get your shout outs on there, and have you part of us with this, part of this with us. Because Tilly, we want everyone to join us on this journey, don't we? We do indeed. It's a magical journey that lays ahead. As it does. Exciting <laughs> times. And we've mentioned Patreon a couple of times. Just want to say a massive shout out to you guys that support us over at Patreon. It's you guys that we do this for. As I say, this is an exclusive podcast that's going out to a limited audience just to you guys. As a special thank you for all your support in making the podcast a reality and keeping the website going on that note my fellow Gryffindor it is time for us to retire to the common room isn't it it is yeah it's time for bed in those comfy um Gryffindor towers with the hangings and oh the cozy hot water bottles and yeah in those four in those four poster beds looking out that window with our owls you with your tawny owl me with my barn owl good times on that note my friends thank you ever so much for tuning in if you're listening live we will be back in one week's time if you are fortunate and have the benefit to be listening to this at a later date simply hop on to episode two now and check out our social work analysis of the philosopher's stone until then it's goodbye from me And it's goodbye from me.